the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. Repentance is the first requirement to receive salvation. The Bible says you must repent and believe in Jesus Christ and his death on the cross for your sins and his resurrection to be saved. Jesus said, unless you repent, you will perish. So what does it mean to repent? It's so important. It's the first message. What does it mean to repent? Well, one thing before I tell you what it means, I've noticed that some people just kind of add Jesus to their life without repenting. When we do something wrong, many of us love to just sweep it under the rug. If we can find a way to quietly move on with our life without having to face the brass, we choose to go down that path. In today's message, Pastor Dan wants you to know that the only way to move on from your past mistakes is to confess them to God. If you want to experience change in your life and stop living with guilt, give it all to God and be set free. It's as simple as bringing it all into the light and letting God do the rest. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of Matthew chapter 4 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. the kind of person Jesus would want to hang out with? Do I love God in his word passionately? Now, after Jesus returned to the Galilee, he first went to Nazareth. That's where he grew up. But he was rejected in Nazareth. That's recorded in Luke chapter 4, if you're taking notes. And so he moved from Nazareth to Capernaum. Look at verse 13. And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is by the sea, that would be the Sea of Galilee, in the regions of Zebulun and Naphtali, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light, and upon those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. Now, Capernaum will become Jesus' headquarters for the next two years until he goes to the cross to die for the sins of the world. Uh, in Matthew chapter 9, verse 1, Capernaum is called his own, his own city. Uh, today, if you go to the city of Capernaum, the ancient city of Capernaum, on the gate to the city, it says Capernaum, the town of Jesus. I like that. Now, this move to Capernaum was a strategic move for his ministry. Nazareth was a small village of maybe three to 400 people. And it was uh, off all of the main roads. It was kind of in the middle of nowhere. It was up in the mountains on a ridge. And it was difficult to get to. And it was isolated, most importantly, it was isolated from the outside world. Capernaum is the opposite of Nazareth. 
Capernaum was a city. More importantly, it sat on the major trade route in the Middle East called the Via Maris or the Way of the Sea that connected Europe and Asia and Africa. So anybody traveling, any traders traveling through Europe, Asia, Africa, they pass right by the city of Capernaum. So Capernaum was an international city with people from all over the world passing through that town all the time. So by moving to Capernaum, Jesus would reach a much broader audience and the news of Jesus will spread quickly throughout the region, as we're going to see later in chapter 4. Notice also that this move to Capernaum fulfilled Old Testament prophecy. Again, we see that in verse 14, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet. And then Matthew quotes the prophecy in verses 15 and 16. Uh, The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali were two separate areas that bordered each other, much like Maryland and Virginia. And note the order given in this prophecy. Zebulun is mentioned first, then Naphtali. Nazareth was in the land of Zebulun, and Capernaum was in Naphtali. So Jesus moved from Zebulun to Naphtali. So even the names are given in the correct order in this prophecy. And this prophecy is from the book of Isaiah chapter 9. It's written about 800 years before Christ. Notice in verse 15, The way of the sea is mentioned. That's that major trade route that passed by Capernaum, the Via Maris. And the area is called Galilee of the Gentiles. Galilee of the Gentiles. And why is it called Galilee of the Gentiles? It's called Galilee of the Gentiles because in the days of Isaiah, the Assyrians invaded the territory from the north on that Via Maris. And they conquered the Galilee. And they took most of the Jewish people that were living in the Galilee away as slaves to Assyria. And then the Assyrians brought Gentiles or non-Jews from other regions into the the Galilee area and and resettled them there, repopulated the Galilee with, with Gentiles from elsewhere. So the Galilee had a large Gentile population. Even in the days of Jesus, it still had a large Gentile population. Population. The prophecy here is that the Messiah will come to Galilee of the Gentiles. Not Jerusalem. But to Galilee of the Gentiles. The fact that Jesus spent most of his ministry in Galilee of the Gentiles emphasizes that Jesus came to be the Savior of the whole world. Not just Jews, not Jews only, but the Savior of anyone who puts their trust in him. And his death and resurrection. It's something, what he's doing here is much bigger than just the Jewish people. As we're going to see. Look at verse 16. It says, The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And upon those who sat in the region and shadow of death. That's Galilee. Because when foreign empires would invade, they would invade into the Galilee. So they lived in the shadow of death constantly upon them light has dawned listen any person who is living without christ sits in darkness and lives in the shadow of death constantly jesus came to call us out of darkness spiritual darkness john chapter 8 verse 12 jesus said i am the light of the world he who follows me shall not walk in darkness but have the light of life 
those living in the Galilee. Sitting in spiritual darkness, living in the shadow of death, under the threat of of death constantly to them, the light of the Messiah, Jesus Christ, came. I love this. Not not to the, the religious people down in Jerusalem. But to Galilee of the Gentiles. To people sitting in darkness. To people living in the shadow of death. Jesus came. Verse 17 says, from the time he moved to Capernaum, Jesus began to preach. And I want you to note that here. He began to preach. Now, Jesus, of course, is God. And Jesus could have done anything he wanted to, to reveal himself to mankind and to communicate his message to mankind. And what did Jesus do? He chose to preach of all the things. He chose to preach. Preaching was his method of getting his message out to the world. I don't know, isn't that something? The God of the universe... I mean, he could arrange the stars to spell it out. You know, he could have flocks of birds spell out words if he wants. You know, he could do anything. He chooses to preach. That's his method. And what did Jesus command us to do? Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. All of us here, we're, we're commanded to preach. We're commanded to be preachers of the gospel. So what does it mean to preach? The word preach means to proclaim or to declare or to publish a message. Preaching, listen, preaching is not arguing with somebody. Preaching is not debating. Preaching is not trying to convince someone. Preaching is not even a dialogue or a discussion. Or a conversation. You hear that a lot now. We're going to have a conversation. To preach is to simply state the truth of what God tells you to state. To preach is to make a declaration. And then people either believe the truth stated or they refuse to believe. For example, if I declare to you that there is coffee available in the lobby. That's a statement of fact. And, and you can choose to believe me or not. But we, we don't need to debate. We don't need to have a discussion. We don't need to have a conversation about coffee. There's coffee in the lobby. That, I'm just declaring it to you. And Jesus came to preach. He did not come to dispute or argue or have a dialogue or have a conversation. He came to proclaim. He, he came to just Declare. He commands us to proclaim the gospel to everyone, to just simply declare it to to people. And the Bible tells us some people will believe it, and sadly, most people will not believe it, the Bible says. And, And when Jesus preached and when he taught, he did it with authority. Turn with me over to Matthew chapter 7. The very end of Matthew chapter 7. He preached and taught with authority. Matthew chapter 7, this is the very end of the Sermon on the Mount. It's the longest sermon that Jesus gave. 
And after he finished the sermon, verse 28, and so it was when Jesus had ended these saying, sayings that the people were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. The people had never heard preaching like this before in their lives. When Jesus proclaimed, he proclaimed with great authority. It says, unlike the scribes, which the people were used to. The scribes did not teach with authority. The scribes like to, uh, they like to quote different men. You're listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City, Maryland. We'll return to the second half of today's message in a moment. But first, here's a word from Pastor Dan. It's my privilege to share the Word of God with you through our radio ministry, Ring of Truth. Thank you for tuning in each day. Hey, I would love to hear from you. Will you take a moment to email me to tell me how these daily studies have ministered to you? I want to hear your story. You can email me through our website at calvaryec.com. That's calvaryec.com. Thanks, Pastor Dan. Now let's join him again for the conclusion of today's edition of Ring of Truth. They like to quote different writers. They like to quote different rabbis in their teaching. They like to, you know, discuss the different opinions and the different interpretations. There was nothing authoritative about what they said. You walked away with nothing certain. In contrast, Jesus spoke with authority. And Jesus preached in a way that required a decision, a response. As we see here back in Matthew chapter 4, his message was repent. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That requires a response. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This was the first message that Jesus preached, by the way. His first sermon, repent. And and listen, this was Jesus' message to everyone, without exception. Jesus called every person to repent. Again, he's God incarnate. God come down. First sermon to mankind. And what does he say to all of mankind? Repent. Repent. Now, some in the crowd, I'm certain, were offended by Jesus calling them to repent. Some in the crowd may may have thought, well, how, how dare you tell me that I need to repent? You don't even know me. You don't know anything about me. How, how do you know if I need to repent or not? Jesus could call everyone to repent because Jesus knows people. Isaiah 53 says, every person turns to his own way. Every one of us here has rebelled against God and God's way and gone our own way. Romans chapter 3 says there's none righteous, no, not one. There's no one who does good in God's eyes. Romans 3 says we're all guilty before God. In Psalm 130, the psalmist asks, if you, Lord, kept, kept a record of all our sins, who, Lord, could, could stand? If God were to keep a record of all of our sins, who could stand? And the answer is no one. So so Jesus doesn't need to know the details of your life. But he knows you need to repent. He knows I need to repent. 
that every person needs to repent. Repentance is the first requirement to receive salvation. The Bible says you must repent and believe in Jesus Christ and his death on the cross for your sins and his resurrection to be saved. Jesus said, unless you repent, you will perish. So what does it mean to repent? It's so important. It's the first message. What does it mean to repent? Well, one thing before I tell you what it means, I've noticed that some people just kind of add Jesus to their life without repenting. Or some people just, you know, start going to church without repenting. Or some people quit bad habits without repenting. So what does it mean to repent? To repent, listen, to repent is to change the way you see yourself. To change the way you see yourself. To change the way you see your life. To change the way you see how you're living. To repent is to change your opinion about you. Followed by changing how you live. Turning from the path you're on in life and turning to Christ. So when we talk about repentance, biblical repentance is a complete reorientation of your life from self toward Christ. So my question is, have you repented? Have you truly reorientated your life toward Christ? This is what Jesus calls all of us to do. Without exception. You know, Jesus said there's more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents. There's a celebration in heaven, a party in heaven, when one person repents and decides to turn their life to Christ. So this is his first message. He begins by preaching. This is his method. This is his message. And then in verses 18 to 22, we have the call of the first four disciples into ministry with Jesus. This is not their first interaction with Jesus. Remember, Jesus is a year into his ministry at this point. Uh, these four disciples, they're, they're already disciples. They're already believers. They, they, they've already uh, heard Jesus and, 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 uh, and believed in him. But now Jesus calls them into something deeper. He calls them into ministry with him. He calls them to leave behind their life and join him in ministry and service. It says in verse 18, And Jesus walking by the Sea of Galilee saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, Casting a net into the sea. Uh, if you're a note taker, this is it's literally referring to a cast net. If you know anything about uh, that, that kind of fishing, I still use them today. For they were fishermen. Then he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Notice, first of all, that these disciples were fishermen, not theologians. He's walking along the sea, and he encounters some fishermen. He's not walking on the campus of a seminary here. Praise the Lord for that. They're just regular people. Without, without rank, without power, without connection, Without higher education, not that there's anything wrong with that. Just, just common, hardworking folks. And I'm glad for that. God likes to use 
regular people. Like you and me. First Corinthians chapter one, verses 26 to 29. First Corinthians one, verses 26 to 29 says, for you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty and the base things of the world and the things which are despised. God has chosen and the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are that no flesh should glory in his presence. God likes to use foolish. He likes to use weak, the common, the lowly, the nobodies. So that God gets all the glory. If, if you're if you're here today and you're, you're thinking, I'm just a nobody. I don't really have anything to offer the Lord. I can't see how the Lord could ever possibly use me. Listen, you're exactly the kind of person Jesus is looking for. If you're the kind of person sitting here and in your mind, you're thinking of all of your qualifications. And how you would be a great asset. <laughs> you're not the kind of person. That Jesus is looking for to serve in his ministry. Notice also that these disciples were hard at work. They're doing their job when Jesus called them. They're not slackers. And notice that Jesus said, I will make you fishers of men. He did not say, go become fishers of men. Or make yourself fishers of men. He said, I will make you fishers of men. It's his work. In his disciples. Just as it's his work in in us. It's all his work. All we have to do. Listen. All we have to do. Is abide in Christ. And he will make us. Fit for the master's use. He's the vine. We're the branches. As we abide in him. We'll bear much fruit. Jesus said. That's all that we have to do. It's, It's his work. In us. As we abide in him. And he gives us the gifts of the spirit. In addition, he he equips us with the gifts that we need for the ministry that he's called us to. And and it's all his doing. Notice also the response of the disciples. They immediately left their nets and followed him. They instantly obeyed without hesitation. They didn't say, well, let me think about it for a few days. Let me get back to you on Monday. They didn't ask questions. They, they didn't say, well, what, well, what are we going to do for money? I've got a mortgage. How am I going to pay for my kids' piano lessons? What about health insurance? Aren't those the things that we think about? And, and how many people have Jesus, has Jesus tried to call into ministry, but they were too afraid to go because of those questions? They don't ask anything. They, they, they didn't put in a two-week notice. They didn't even finish out the work day. They walked off the job when Jesus called them. Look at verse 21 again. James and John were involved in a family fishing business with their father. Mark's gospel says that they also had employees working for the family fishing business. So apparently it was successful. It was a lucrative family business. And James and John just walked away from it when Jesus called them into the ministry. He asked me how I know and I 
You've been listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. Pastor Dan has been teaching through the book of Matthew, and he has more to share with you next time. How is what you're hearing from this book landing in your heart? If there's anything that's prompting you to seek out more questions or to ask for prayer in any way, would you be willing to give us a call and talk to us? Our desire is to hear your heart, pray with you, and ask for God to help you with whatever you might be wondering or thinking about. Our number is 410-491-4592. The number again is 410-491-4592. You can also send us an email through our website, calvaryec.com. Just find our info under the About tab. If you're not connected with a local church, we encourage you to find a church family that will help guide and support you in your faith. And if you're in the area, please join us at Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City in Columbia, Maryland. For more details, visit calvaryec.com. In our next edition, you'll have the opportunity to learn additional things from this first book of the New Testament. Pastor Dan has more to teach on from Matthew, and we're excited for you to join us as we continue growing. There's so much to appreciate by reading God's Word. We hope you'll tune in next time and be a part of our listening audience right here on Ring of Truth. I see the signs and I recognize the hands that craft and am what I know because I know His voice and it only takes General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.